everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. As always, I'm Kev. I've got James with me, but we're without one of the regulars as Tony is unable to be with us this month. So we have called up a substitute in the form of the voice of Luton Town himself, Simon Pitts. Simon, thanks for joining us. No worries at all, Kevin. Thanks for having us on. And thanks for all the stats that you've provided us with this season already. Uh, we're going to come on to uh, numerous uh, subjects that we've got planned for tonight. But before we do, as we've got you, Simon, you're commentating on the championship for the first time this season. How great has it been? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, a real opportunity, you know, started out um, live coverage home and away in non-league and now championship football with Luton Town. Absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, one or two grounds that I've been to before um, as a fan, a few grounds that have been new this season, which has been nice as well. But yeah, fantastic to see the club back up in uh, championship and uh, hopefully this is just not a one-off and we're, we're back in there next season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you taken your binoculars with you to some of these games? Because you're pretty high up in some of these stadiums, aren't you? Yeah, one or two have been quite a way back. So uh, yeah, it's been difficult at times trying to judge the distances and uh, see who the players are on the far side. But uh, no, fantastic experience and certainly can't complain to be in the championship. And you're providing a great service. None quite as bad as Leighton Orient. No, no. I'm, I'm grateful that we're not playing Leighton Orient anymore. Yeah. My uh, lack of uh, enjoyment of heights was uh, really tested at Leighton Orient. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, Bristol City with this season was one that seemed to have a high enough stand. That probably from the TV cameras, though. Luckily, not there, uh, not where you are. You're providing a fantastic service. Uh, I'm sure thousands of people that listen to this podcast also listen to you on a Saturday so uh, keep up the good work right then chaps let's get stuck into the nitty gritty of uh, the agenda and we'll start as always with community talk and James I'll come to you because uh, recently well it's kind of a bit of a surprise really um, the uh, development of planning permission for development of an Audi has resurfaced because initially it was rejected wasn't it but yeah, it's, it's come back, and unfortunately, this time it's been approved. Yeah, it's been referred back to six different committees, <clears throat> um, and this time last week it got approved. So that land next to Luton's training ground has been given planning permission for an Audi supermarket. And why this is significant is because that land is earmarked for uh, some of the developments that the academy require in order for our academy states to be improved yeah a, a domed um playing training facility which would have been top class first class maybe even world class um and would also have attracted uh, other sporting facilities as well sporting teams so they they derive on euro 2020 <clears throat> i don't know how feasible that would have been because it's only a couple of months away barring coronavirus and what that might bring but um you could just think uh you know in in the future how many sporting teams and sporting professionals might want to use that there's whole loads of flats and houses and development happen around that area so that there'll be a community there and you'd like to think that the kids that grow up in that community would have something to aspire to um and does Luton need another supermarket? There's people around that area who seem to think that they do because they've only got Asda. But I weigh it up as, do you want aspiration in the town? Something for kids to grow up wanting to do, wanting to be, wanting to visit. Something that can bring investment into the town. Or do you need 
another Audi. Well, there's already one within a mile. Um, there's one on the edge of Dunstable. If you want an Audi, you can go to an Audi. It just doesn't make much sense to me. And there's actually a supermarket in the plans for Power Core as well, isn't that, there? And that is the that is the crucial thing that this could affect the viability of Power Core because. Um, you know, pe- I, t- I still don't think people quite understand the complexity of it all, and I don't blame them because it's very confusing. All planning is, but some people seem to think that oh, now that Newland Park has been agreed, that's what's going to pay for Power Core, and it will fund a large part of it. But then you've got to have the other developments around Power Core, namely one of them at Anchor Tenant of a supermarket, which is going to pay the rest of it. I don't understand where people think the money's going to come from otherwise. So having another supermarket less than a mile down the road when there's one already been approved at Power Court could affect funding for that. So you're already looking at two, three, four years for it to get built. Well, maybe that stretches longer. Who knows? So I I find it really short-sighted from the council to approve it. Um, and I, th- I think there's, there'll probably be an appeal and, and we'll see where that goes. But, uh, yeah, how many supermarkets do you need? It, it, the town is crying out for things to keep people in the town. That was the whole point of Newlands Park and Power Court, besides a new home for the, for the football club, is to keep people in the town. So you need to keep kids from leaving the town because they do, because there's nothing there for them. I don't see how an elder is going to help. No, that's right. And Simon, um, it's as I mentioned earlier, that that land was um, hoping to be used for the academy, and it's that requirement of the dome that we need in order to get an under twenty three team, which we're missing out so badly this season on the pitch. If you think that other clubs have got their under twenty three teams, that their players that are on the bench that don't get regular first team action, they can have a few minutes in that. We don't have that, and and some of sometimes our players come off the bench and they need ten fifteen minutes to get up to speed, as you naturally would. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it is a real disappointment that, you know, at the moment this has been accepted uh, that Audi have got the planning permission there. But, you know, hopefully, as James said, if there's an appeal or if even if there's, you know, the land, I think that's under, you know, whose, whose ownership is that? Just because Audi have got the, the planning permission doesn't mean they've got the land to, to build on it. I mean, that's where we are at least got the, the benefit of Power Court and Newlands Park was we, we own the land. So, mm. um, you know, that, that means we can build on it, no problem. But yeah, it would certainly be a real shame with everything so positive around the club at the moment with the, you know, off the field um, developments and that, that, that this could be a little hurdle or a little setback to things, um, particularly for those younger players that, you know, aren't getting game time, as you mentioned. And that certainly is key for the, the future of the club as well, is to be able to bring through promising players. But, you know, the training facilities aside from the dome are fantastic so you know I think there's, there's a real positive there and that just needed to be the icing on the cake to uh, complete what we needed didn't it and as James alluded to there as well you know that they were they were in for a chance for the training base for a country in 2020 so you know that, that shows how good the facilities are it's just a shame at the moment we can't quite take it to that next step yeah, absolutely yeah I mean, um, you mentioned how good things are off the pitch let's turn our attentions to do things on the pitch where actually since we last convened James things are looking a lot better on the pitch as well we've had six games since we did the last podcast didn't start brilliantly with the home game against Cardiff which don't think anyone remembers anything from purely because the five games that followed were actually of pretty decent quality bar the last one but that Cardiff game they were there for the beating that was a bit disappointing 
It was, and um, you could sense the atmosphere around the place that everybody thought that they were there for the beating, and it just it never materialised. And you know, there was booze and and things at, at the final whistle. And at that point, I must admit, I thought that, that would be it. That that was Luton down. Yeah, I, I have to say, I remember talking to someone on the Tuesday, sort of socially, and you know, that, that the Sheffield Wednesday game was the Wednesday, wasn't it? I was talking to someone on the Tuesday, and I'm like. Even me, Mr. You know, the most positive. I can't. I just can't see how we can get out of this just based on that performance against the side that I think we all, all sitting around this table, mm. thought that we had every chance of beating based on the two games that we played mm. previously against them. But to the town's credit, the Sheffield Wednesday game come along and we put in probably one of our best performances of the season. Actually, the one nil scoreline was in no way reflective <laughs> of the game that we sat and watched. No, not at all. I mean, it was uh, you know very. Uh, straightforward wins with nothing straightforward in football but it, it really was a you know quite a convincing performance and yeah as you say Kevin it deserved far more than just a 1-0 scoreline but at the end of the day we'll take the clean sheet we'll take three points we will indeed uh, just on um, that game a couple of sort of highlights of, of that game um, James Collins rarity really that he missed a penalty blasted it down the middle which is unlike him and yeah. I think you mentioned that he did he, he said he didn't mean to hit it so hard or go down the middle um, so I don't know what he was thinking really then well to be fair it was so early in the game he may not actually have had his game head on by that well time. it was it was seconds wasn't it I think 13 seconds or something like yeah. the point that um, Paddy uh, brought it down, down yeah. after he played him in um, with a lightning start and yeah if he did put that in you'd like to have thought that they could have gone and won a bit more but even with without that they had some great chances to to win and it was yeah, it, do you remember when Luton played them in the FA Cup, and there was all that talk of, oh, well, Luton can cope in the Championship because they've coped against Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. Um, and I, I actually thought they were just a bit poor. Uh, well, uh, in, the away in the game FA of that Cup, Cup title you mentioned. Yeah, mm. I mean, how I didn't fall asleep with the only kickoff, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I don't even know how you managed to commentate on it all the way through. <laughs> Afterwards, lively though, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we've, we've referenced yeah. um, that particular interview a few times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, but you can only beat the team that's in front of you. If, in, if another team is going to be um, playing a bit below par, a, a bit poor, then you've got to punish them. And so, in that respect, it was a, it was a great result. And um, well, then, they, then they've got another one. Yeah, of course. Uh, I should just add, Collins made up for uh, the penalty miss in that game by scoring mm. what was the winning goal. Absolute domination from the mm. town, really. Like you say, could, if it was four or five, not even Gary Monk could have um, could have complained. As you said, James, we've then gone and got another good result at Middlesbrough, which actually was a really, really good result. Uh, okay, they might be in free fall. Not at their best or any of that. But when you go to a place without a win in 11, or 11 straight defeats, actually, You'd take a point, really, just to stop the rot, wouldn't you? But what we got that day was a complete away performance. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, a long old trip for players and supporters alike, but they really put in the performance. You know, we, we scored with their only shot on target. There's, you know, <laughs> we got the three points from that. They didn't get a single shot on target in the whole game, Middlesbrough. So, you know, it was great defensive performance and we just took a chance that was there. And, you know, great for Ryan Tunnicliffe. Um, You know, I, I thought he took the goal really well. Um, I think he played it down a bit in the interview, but watching it back, you know, he just seems to know exactly where to put it in that far corner and of course 
the Saturday before he was jeered off by his own fans mm. when he was substituted, which I'll say is an absolute disgrace for mm. anyone who does that to any player in a Luton shirt. However well he's playing or well he may not be playing, he's not gone out there to play badly mm. intentionally. He's not picked himself. You know, he, he deserves a bit more support regardless of how he's playing. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, he, from that point onwards, he's been really good actually well, actually no, he wasn't that bad that day no. either yeah, yeah no exactly um i think he's probably been made a bit of a scapegoat for the fact that people want to see jacob butterfield and where is he because <laughs> he hasn't made a squad in yonks um if only someone on this table was there to ask such a question well we've asked before we are uh, people keep saying why don't you ask we've asked before and it he was the answer was that he's for he fell victim to the fact that they weren't playing a diamond but uh, ever since that game, maybe one before, they have occasionally adopted that. So it's a wonder why he's not in the squad. But the kind of flip side of that would be where would he play in that diamond, wouldn't it? Because Glenn Ray would be at the base mm-hmm. of it now. And well, he's apparently he? a number eight. He wasn't naturally supposed to be at the base of that diamond. So he, it seems like it could be a good fit because you don't move Glenn Ray from that position at the minute. He's part of this resurgence, I think, and I put it in the match program for the last game, is because Glenn Ray's come back and suddenly they've got some people that will do the nasty stuff and kick people. But not only kick people, but, um, you know, rally the troops. Uh, we spoke to Pelly after the um, when he scored his last banger and asked him about Glenn Ray and he was he said he's always in his ear even you know, if he makes a bad pass, he'll say, you know you're better than that, Pelly. And it's just little things like that, I think, that they can help, especially when you're really down on your luck and results aren't going for you. Um, and he's a really positive guy, as, as you know. We've spoken to him for this podcast. So um, <clears throat> it's been great to have Glenn Ray back, actually. Um, it was something Luton really needed. It's, it makes you wonder why they pr- perhaps just didn't keep... McCormack on for a little bit, knowing that he would, that knowing that Glenn Ray would take a while to get back. But you know, he's at Northampton now. Indeed. Uh, the amazing thing about that Middlesbrough game, we keep one clean sheet in thirty-one, and they come along two in three days. Yeah, yeah, and that's tremendous. And you know, all credit to the defence and the goalkeeper Seymour Sluger. I think you know, he's realised that he's adjusted now to life in the Championship and in England. And you know, he's put in some super performances of late, some fantastic saves. You know, at key times as well, which has been critical to how games have not turned against us. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, I think there was one the other day at one nil. It could have made it two nil to the opposition, and when you he know, stopped Ince, yeah, yeah, with his foot, it's um, great save. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, um, against Stoke. Yeah. Against yeah. Stoke, and you know that makes a big difference. And you know, the, the team have got together, as you say. Glen Ray coming back in has made a big difference, and they've kept two clean sheets, and they've restricted um, the goals as well. So you know, when we have conceded, it's only been the odd one or two, not the threes that we'd seen previously the anomaly of that being Charlton away which was just really a crazy game I mean we're going to mention officials later on in the podcast because they really came to light that afternoon just how inept some Mm. of them can be Premier League officials as well well, exactly it's uh when you see the picture back, it's just so disheartening. It's like but you don't even, when, even need VAR when you've got when a six-yard line there. To yeah, check. when you're behind the goal, mm. you know these things. Mm. You you can judge on the player reaction. 
Collins looked at the kind of yeah. slight glance, not thinking he was offside in any way, shape or form. And then you could tell by his reaction, he yeah. knew he wasn't mm. offside. I mean, it was tight, but it, it should have been given and the assistant referee should have been in line well enough to see it. But the, I mean, I said in commentary and looking back on it, I hadn't realised how close it was, but I said, you know, he didn't even need to be that close to being offside because he would have got there if he'd have just checked his run by half a yard or a yard to really be onside. And when you see it back and you see how close it was, you say, oh, you know, and that, that's a couple of times it's gone against us this season and that can hurt. You know, we had the Leeds issue, didn't we? We could have been 2-1 up at home to Leeds. Um, obviously the one the other week as well. With, Nottingham Forest when yeah. Luar Luar was fouled. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's been... Last game. And it is disappointing, you know, when the, when these offside goals, when you look back and you say, oh, that, that should have gone our way. Because I think everyone of a Luton persuasion but probably of a neutral persuasion as well had that gone 2-1 there's only one winner in the game mm. because we were actually on fire mm. in that first 15 minutes of that half yeah. it's only really when they got the penalty which I don't think anyone's got any complaints no. with I mean you know but I've got a complaint with it but it's yeah. like what, but what is he doing what's he doing for his arm yeah. he's watched too much it's, Six Nations it's he? instinctive but, though isn't it I mean we all react to things and that's one years he's jumping his arms gone but you know, it wasn't clear at the time for me in commentary, but then when you look back on it, you see, oh yeah, it's blatant. Yeah, I guess when you're sat at the side of the pitch, yeah. but with behind the goal, your facility are looking right. You just like oh, see it. What have yeah. you done? But hmm. <laughs> disappointing because of the magnitude <laughs> yeah. of the game. That's it. I mean, the thing is, we said that week you'd have taken four points from the Brentford win and the losing to Charlton, but then when you turn it around, you'd actually preferred it the other way around. Um, you know, with the way that the wins and the victories and the defeats are coming. Um, sorry, with the Stoke draw and the the Charlton one, you you want those swapped around a bit so that you're not losing to Charlton. Um, if you do lose to Brentford and you pick up the point against Stoke, but I think out of the three games, you'd probably look at you were wanting more than four points. But you know that those two home games were critical that we didn't lose either of them um, after the the uh, Brentford one, uh, the Charlton. Now I've got to say, there's not many times I go to Kenilworth Road scared about what I might be about to witness but I was for that Brentford game please just keep the score downtown please 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 and they came out and the way they came out I was like oh my god this is, my fears are realised here it's just a matter of time but thankfully they were pointing in the wrong direction when they did open the score <laughs> and uh, nice little finish really to be fair put it in the bottom corner just signed from Oxford happy days and then we doubled it with I don't know what it is about our defender scoring what Pelly Ruddick would describe as bangers mm. this season but that was another one from Martin Craney it's cracker wasn't it yeah, uh, yeah someone told me the guy's got two goals in 15 years before he comes yeah. to us and now he's got two in about 15 games yeah. in all time well, Simon's got a stat he's only had three shots all season as well and he scored from two of them <laughs> I mean that's just, uh, just, <laughs> just he's only better by Donovan Daniels who's one out of one yeah. that, that, I mean, that was another great goal as well wasn't it against Derby but what uh, when you sit behind the goal like I do occasionally you hear the ball fizz through the air particularly in these night games yeah. Yeah, there's that magical atmosphere that we've always gone on about on this podcast at midweek games and that was another such occasion it was you heard it fizzing through the air you just wasn't sure if it was going to catch net or you are going to hear it wrangling around the bottom, back of the stand but what a finish yeah. Yeah, well I I never have the pleasure of seeing that top corner because <laughs> because of the post that's in the way of my seat from the press box so I, I saw he hit it well and I had to just wait and see what the re- reaction was but it was a great goal it was well deserved actually that you know like you said Brentford started really well and Luton get out of half of you know eight minutes uh, and then the first chance comes along mm. Luke Berry's free kick it was Luke Berry's free kick for the second one as well 
some great deliveries and he put in one hell of a shift mm. <laughs> he injured himself didn't he so he was absolutely he was, he was on night. fire him and harry cornick were wonderful mm. that night um and it set the tone really um what what they learned from the previous game was not to give brentford space down the mm. wings close them down they were cutting out crosses and things like that and whether Brentford sort of turned up with an air of cockiness, who knows? But Luton put in their best all-round off-the-ball defensive performance of the season, at least, if not for a couple. Um, and they really did a number on them. Yeah, they, they didn't really have too many chances. But then when they do score with sort of seven minutes of normal time to go, I genuinely thought, that, well, this is the end of that then. It's yeah. been nice, but... Well, uh, on that regard, you can be mighty glad you can't see that far corner because that Ben Rama shot in injury time was heading right into it for long periods of that shot. And I turned away thinking, like you, you know, that late as well. I was just waiting for the net to bulge and the disappointing. And then all of a sudden I heard, you know, it clattering around the sponsor boards and I was like, thank you, Lord. But they managed it so well. And they, yeah. that's, that's what they, they did. They got a bit dirty and a bit nitty gritty and you have to do that. Well, we yeah. actually learnt that at Middlesbrough as well, didn't we? We managed that game really, really well. Yeah. Easy Brown getting a booking in the corner for a, some WWE stuff yeah. that went yeah. on. And Not just that in get, that game. Izzy Brown had sort of 20 odd touches in mm. the short amount of time that he came, held the ball up really well. And that, you know, really stopped Borough from trying to mount any attacks, which was, you know, a wonderful thing to see because I, I thought when they did chuck on Sombolonga and put, they, it was almost as well, four strikers yeah. up front towards the end, you thought, bloody hell, this is only going to go one way. So, you know, they can do it. Um, just they discovered that power a bit earlier in the season. But all is not lost just yet. Um, obviously, one more game to go through uh, last Saturday against Stoke, where actually it was roles reversed, wasn't it? Luton played, sorry, Stoke played the Luton role against Brentford, and Luton played the Brentford role of that game. Fortunately for us, we got a point, Brentford didn't. Hard working point, but when you don't play well in a relegation scrap and you don't lose, there's a positive to take from that. Yeah, I, th I think you have to take a slight positive. It was disappointing after the euphoria of the victory over Brentford that, uh, you know, we then didn't follow it up. And as I said earlier, but you'd have taken four points from the two games over the course of the week. So you have got to weigh things up. Um, it did mean that we couldn't pull Stoke back into it quite as much as we could have done with a victory. Um, but ultimately, but, they were minutes away from being. Yeah, but ultimately, clear. yeah, we were, they were getting clear and we well, weren't getting anything from it. And if it, you remember but, at half time, no, none of us thought it was going to go that way. No. We thought this is because it was so lack. Cluster. Oh, time. I weren't yeah. thinking that at 88 minutes as well. Yeah. I, mean. I mean, we've seen the thing is, we have seen a lot of games where the two halves have been so completely different both ways. You know, there's been a half when we've played really well and then we've come out poorly. Been too many of them. And yeah. then we've had a poor half that we've turned it around. I mean, you think QPR away early part of the season, mm. you know, dead and buried at 3 0, but suddenly second half, we could have actually got something out of that game. But then equally, the reverse has happened that, you know, we've performed well in the first half, not got a breakthrough, and you think, oh, yeah, we're going to go on and win this. And then we haven't. Or but, we have like at Millwall. Yeah. And Collapsed. Yeah, we collapsed. But, you know, I think the thing with the Stoke game was they, the, the five in the midfield certainly stopped, stifled us. You know, we struggled to get passing movement. I, I Joe th Allen was a bit good. Yeah, he? he was good. He was very good at their place. He was yeah. never more than five yards from the no. ball. And, and I think we found it difficult to find the space to get the passing to. And I, I can understand the fans' frustration that we could hear on the Saturday that 
when the defence are playing it around, what they're basically waiting for is a teammate to have got some space that they can pass it forward. And, you know, it was going backwards and then they were trying again. And then there was the long balls that didn't always come off. But, you know, credit to Stoke that they put in that performance that held on to the... The early goal was the, the, the key because that meant they could then play that way. If we'd have scored first, Stoke were then having to open up a bit and you wouldn't have seen the defensive performance like we did. We didn't get that breakthrough, but thankfully, ultimately, we got the point. And, you know, all credit to James Collins for a penalty at, you know, the last few seconds of the game rather than the first few. And he's buried it. And, you know, that was a great relief. Against an England goalkeeper as well, you know, it takes balls to say that penalty. Sent him the wrong way. It was a good penalty. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Any penalty you score is a good penalty. penalty, Yeah. No, I, I agree with Simon. The minute they scored that goal, because it was eight nine minutes yeah. they scored it, but and for the entire period before that, all they'd done is sat back and went go on then try and break us down. You thought you can't give them, a, you just simply can't give them the first goal. Um, Two things I want to mention about that game, though. You mentioned it earlier, Simon Sluga's save five minutes after they scored or whatever yeah, it was yeah. from Tom Ince, complete game changer, 2-0, the way we were playing, there is no way back. Yeah. And Graham Jones does not get anywhere near the credit he deserves from the Luton fan base, but the three substitutions he put yeah. on in that game all made a significant contribution to the end result. Mm. Well, yeah, because they weren't getting any joy from trying to play through the middle and play through the line, so um, they needed a bit of width. Um, it, it, it was the right decision in the end. You have to say... He's, he's, he's made a good call there. He's made a, a decision to bring those players on and they've affected the game to the point where somehow Luton have scraped a point out of nothing. Well, I mean, if we do stay up by a solitary point in this season, and let's be fair, I mean, we're going to come on to the relegation battle in a minute, but we're not going to stay up by an awful lot more than that no. the way it's looking. That point is everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's key, and especially the fact that it denied Stoke two more than they were getting, you know, going into injury time. So, yeah, and as James said there, the substitutions, you know, change of formation, um, the lively play of George Moncur, I think, has been excellent when he's been coming off the bench. Callum McManam again involved, you know, it's, uh, he won the penalty, a similar couple of penalties we've seen this season where the player just whips in in front of the defender who's committing to a challenge and doesn't always see them coming through. So, yeah, you know, it was a, a good, good point in the end, but, you sort of wish it was before the game. You're obviously wanting all three, but yeah, mm-hmm. you can never judge the psychology of it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, in an ideal world, it would give Luton a boost because mm. they've got that late goal and yeah. it will really deflate Stoke because they came with a game plan. Yeah. It worked a treat and they and then, didn't get what yeah. they wanted. So, and also it was a third game. A lot's mentioned this yeah, season third, about third game weeks, third game three game weeks, eight days, wasn't it? and actually the very last minute of the third game shows yeah. that we've now got to grips of how to pace yeah. ourselves over yeah. them. But they were better in the last 15 minutes than they had been the previous... That was the whole game. They had nothing really going on, going on for them for the whole game. And then the last 15 minutes when those substitutions were made, there was there was something there. I still didn't see it coming, but I'm glad it did. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just good to see that there was a, a little bit of a plan B to go to there. I mean, in, the hind, in hindsight of it now, sitting here... I'd have much preferred them to scrape some against Brentford and then beat Stoke, but uh, that's how it is, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It is. I mean, like Simon said, uh, Stoke didn't get away from us. Uh, let's come on to the relegation battle because, you know, we are in one, whether people like it being said or not, we're obviously in one. We're As we sit here right now, we're bottom of the league, but we're in no way near the same debacle that we were the last time we sat around this table was four weeks ago where we were 10 points adrift and hang on where's the next point coming from now all of a sudden we're four points adrift five points adrift with goal difference and the lights are a lot 
brighter now. Yeah. Well, I think it can be summed up. There was a bit on social media backlog, wasn't there, where the supercomputer did its analysis for the games at that point, rest of the season, and it said we'd win four more. Well, we've won four more since then, and we've still got ten games left. So that shows you the kind of run that we've been on, and you know how we've turned things around. And as you said, you know the points difference now is is catchable. It's you've got the positive, and we've got to be positive. Um, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people that when we've discussed this and said, look, look back on the, the late 80s when we were six points behind with three games to go, we stayed up. So we're six points behind or so with 10 games to go. You know, we've got seven games more than we had then and we've got a chance. And we're playing teams down That's there. Yes, we say. need to take advantage. Yeah. Although we didn't against Charlton, but we've still got Wigan, Barnsley, Huddersfield, you know, Hull, Hull to all involved and to bring down. We take victories over those four, suddenly you're looking at a completely different league table. How do well, we hope look- you are anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. How do we look at this, James? Do we look at those games in particular or do we look... This is the number. We don't care how we get to the number. Just get to the number. With a, with I won't a, ask you what the number is. <laughs> you revealed to me earlier you can't do numbers. No, so I, can't, no, I can't count. That's why, that's why I write and some people say I can't do that. So, um, If you ask the players and you ask Graham Jones, they'll just say it's a numbers game and they need to accumulate the points. But for me, I think... There, like I said before, there is psychology that comes into this. And if you're playing those teams in and around you, you really have got to take points off them. And it's a hard ask because Wigan have suddenly, they're the best team in the league yeah. form wise. And you've got to go up to their place and, and play them. Um, when Luton played them at Kenilworth Road, I thought they were the worst team in the division that I'd seen. And suddenly they've gone. They around. were at the time. They yeah. Were, weren't they? Uh, they were in, in, in table and in the way they played, I thought they were appalling, but suddenly they've come good and they've, they've found a bit of form. So it is a tough ask. It's a massive game at the weekend to go up, uh, up to Wigan and, and do it. Um, but yeah, there's the, the Barnsley. The, the thing is that, it's been a bit frustrating because when Luton have been getting these wins, so have the other teams around yeah. them. So you haven't been able to make those gains. Barnsley, for instance. But likewise, we haven't lost ground either, so those wins have been important. Yeah, they? yeah absolutely. Yeah. But I think the crazy thing about this division is most of the season it's been Luton, Barnsley and Wigan in the bottom three. You look at it right now, Middlesbrough in free fall and Hull in free fall. There's every chance two of those three are going to survive. Yeah. Hopefully, obviously, we're one of the two. But you wouldn't have seen that no. at the start of the year. Well, likewise, Huddersfield were really poor when they first yeah. came down to us, didn't they? And they're still not out of the mix, really. I mean, everybody's had that spell at the bottom where you've almost white, written them off and said, no, they've got no chance. Stoke pulled it away. Barnsley pulled it away. Middlesbrough pulled it away. Huddersfield are up there. Wigan, now you've said, are on a run. We're the only team that haven't yet had that run. It's to like the last team we're standing. Just, we're just it? leaving it to the last minute when it actually matters. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can pull it through and, and get out. But, you know, we haven't mentioned yet, obviously, there's the potential of a couple of sides getting points deductions. That, yeah, you know, when is that happening? Yeah, if, if that is to happen. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to happen before the end of the season. Fingers crossed. Well, I checked the Birmingham um, deduction yeah. last season and it was the last week of March. So. Yeah. These things tend to correlate, don't they? Yeah. So I'm guessing it will be in around that time. Well, as I say, and that could have huge consequences because albeit put their better teams on the pitch because of the points they've scored, the momentum that they've got and suddenly they're, they're pulled into the relegation. Um, well, Sheffield mix. Wednesday in particular, yeah. it was the three teams that we're mentioning here, Sheffield, for those that don't know, Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham and Derby, yeah. none of which are particularly clear of us were any meaningful um, mm. deduction to come along. But they were terrible down here, Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. And there's and I've checked their fixtures out and six of their last ten sorry, six of their next six games are against teams in the top nine. Mm. So they might not be scoring any points in those mm. games, deduction or no deduction. Mm. 
It depends on the size of that deduction, though. I think the the maximum is 21 points. And if they got the full whack, they'd be in the bottom. I mean, the the talk is the the expectation that they'd be at least 12 for that. Um, I don't think Birmingham is as many, is it? Because they've already been penalised the once. This is sort of a, a follow-on one. This doesn't it? make any sense. No, if you've been penalised once yeah, and, and you get still the second yeah. time. Also um, considering what happened to Luton. Yeah. They didn't yeah. necessarily lean well, into there, did they? My understanding of the Birmingham situation is you've got to control your finances. Yeah. Three weeks, four weeks later, they went and spent seven million quid on a midfielder. Yeah, mm. that's good control, that is, yeah. isn't it? I mean, where's the punishment? Mm. Punishment. Yeah. Not you know, not anything else. Punch. Yeah. You know, it, we'd obviously want to try and do it on the pitch and prove that we're, that we're good enough to be, you know, four places off the bottom. Um, but so know, much of it is actually but, happening off the pitch anyway, yeah. because um, there were some stats out today that said Aston Villa, have, yeah. I know they're in the Premier League, but when they were in the Championship, they spent £95 million on yeah. wages and it was double their turnover. Yeah. Because they, they'd sold the ground, Yeah, they? they sold the ground for £56 million to yeah. their own owner, which yeah. is what's happening. It's happened at Derby, happened at um, Sheffield Wednesday, so, yeah. and Birmingham, I think, as well, didn't yeah. happen there. Um, I think that's what Birmingham were done for last mm. season, isn't it? Yeah. So. And Luton... They're not telling me they're the only three either. I mean, it's a shame that football's come to this, that, you know, money does talk, obviously, but so much now that clubs are, it's this issue that is is not creating the league table, it's creating the league table as opposed to actually the points you're gaining on the pitch. Um, You know, we went through a spell of it, didn't we, with administrations and the like where clubs were losing points. There was a few seasons where it happened in a league to three or four teams most years. And then it, that seemed to just quieten down a bit. And then suddenly the financial fair play kicks in and people are doing these things of selling grounds for inflated prices and finding loopholes for want of a better definition. And, you know, that that just isn't really, that, that shouldn't be how football's played. Football's played on a pitch, you know, mm. ball in the back of the net and three points. Thank you. But if it means we stay up, then, hey, you know, punish them and points deductions. Yeah, I mean... Everyone keeps on telling me, oh, would you have no sympathy for them? Well, no, because they're cheating. Yeah. So no, yeah, if you're not playing it. by the rules, it's the same as yeah. on the pitch, isn't it? If you're playing an ele- eligible player, then um, you're fine or you lose the points or you, you get thrown out of a cup competition, yeah, as we well, discovered. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but y- 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 it's a rule. So if you're breaking the rules, loophole or otherwise... You know, if the if the law if the rules of the game are being broken, then you expect to be punished. Yeah, and I mean, I have sympathy <laughs> if someone's got a dodgy owner. Yeah, I'd have sympathy with fans there, well, which the I fans, think is yeah. the chef, partly some partly of the Sheffield Wednesday yeah. issue, isn't it? That they're actually not happy with the owners anyway. And, you know, the Berry situation, for example, yeah. I'd have sympathy there. Oh, of course, but blatant disregard of the rules, which selling a ground to cover your expenses yeah. is is exactly that. I have no sympathy. Isn't whatsoever. it? Isn't it kind of allowed though? It's sort of like yeah. Bending the rules yeah, as far as they go. It's but the valuation it's, of the uh, ground that was. Yeah, there was the, is the issue in it. Yeah, selling your ground isn't a problem. As I said, it's a loophole yeah. that they're allowed to do it, but they overvalue. It is allegedly overvalued. Yeah, I mean, you quoted Aston Villa just now, mm. didn't they sell Villa Park for fifty-seven million? Yeah. Yeah. Fifty-seven million. Come yeah. on now. Yeah, but how do you how do you put a value on well, a football? This is true. You, you, you're looking at the land more than anything. You're not looking at you know if you own the ground, but you're releasing it. You know, imagine you sold it to somebody else totally not related to the club. What are they buying it for, for the revenue, you know, the rent and the lease and that? Or, well, actually, no, they could then knock it down and build a load of houses on it. Then, you know, when you're doing it to yourself, it's like, hang on a minute. It's a clearly the, the yeah, get that's around, the thing, isn't, it? isn't it? That's the thing. Is, it's almost too obvious. Yeah. It's not selling yeah. an asset to create funds like, you know, selling a player or selling part of the training ground land or whatever when you're selling it to somebody else. Um, you, you're doing it to help yourself out. You know, selling it back to yourself doesn't sit yeah. right really with me, does it? But yeah. one thing, there you are know, a couple of things that have given me hope uh, that 
that the EFL will actually make a decent enough example of these is uh, that um, UEFA have thrown a book at Man City and mm. Premiership Rugby have thrown the book at Saracens yeah. for, for cheating. And, you know, if, the, if you need some precedent set, it's mm. done, been done for you. So you're not going to be, you know, going out on a limb by punishing these clubs mm. I mean I'm no fan it's, of the EFL at all mm. but to be fair to them they did likewise with Birmingham yeah. last season so they've got their own precedent haven't they yeah. they can't now it's, ignore it it's just unfair on the fans at the end of the day isn't it you know the fans that pay their money they expect their club to be in good hands and sadly you know not necessarily the clubs that we're talking about but generally across football there are owners that you yeah. know aren't running the clubs in the way that football fans would hope and expect a fo- their football club should I be mean, I would expect if Luton, if Luton went down this route and of course they're not going to under 2020 but if they did I would expect us as the supporters trust to question exactly what the hell is going on yeah. I don't see fans of these clubs question, Derby questioning maybe Sheffield Wednesday are but Derby yeah. in particular they're not questioning no they've got Wayne Rooney yeah. everything's fine in the world well, that's the large. Sorry, ma- you don't get that's unfortunately the large majority of football fans. That's why you get fans even from this club saying, "Why aren't you spending money to, mm. to keep you in the league?" When you know, really, what twenty twenty have done with the football club is made them sustainable. Well, they will be sustainable, particularly going in the future when when Power Core gets built, yeah. because that's such a rare thing. And they, you know, the the board have talked about and they've put it in program notes and things so you can read this it's like they're they're trying to work this club a different model to the way it's going in football because it's not sustainable across football there will be more uh, berries there'll be more relegations more clubs flirting with going out of business and Luton have done that and they know how painful it is so they've they've come up with a model that's going to make this football club sustainable. Now, whether that means you get to the Premier League or not is a different kettle of fish. But isn't it better, you ask a a Berry fan, isn't it better that you can go on a Saturday night and watch your football team, whatever division they are in, than not watch them at all and not them not be there as an entity? Yeah, I mean, let's... Let's move the discussion away from the relegation battle then and, and on to the, the way 2020 have approached this season because we, we didn't actually pick up on it on the last podcast, but they were treated, or certain members of 2020 were treated terribly at the Birmingham home game this season. Yeah. Which in itself would have been appalling anyway, given what they've done to the mm. club. But that was the actual week that the final hurdle for Newlands Park was overcome. Yeah. That's how <laughs> pathetic it was. Now, for, for these guys to have... Uh, to be questioned anyway is like you said a minute ago it's it's strange but with such vitriol on like that 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 day was it it makes absolutely no sense i mean to put put it into figures you mentioned the money that aston villa spent to get out of the championship this uh, last season our accounts for last season have been published earlier today we made a 2.1 million pound loss in winning league one okay some of that will be to development and, and other branches of the club but as an overall figure we lost money to get promotion now people want us to spend money that we've already lost mm-hmm. it does not make well also there's bigger things on the horizon than you know where your football club plays is kind of irrelevant when you put it up against does the football club exist or not mm-hmm. so you know year on year you can go up you can go down you can play a different division but if your club doesn't exist in lot, it doesn't exist at all. You can't do any of those mm. things. So, you know, you know, we've just talked about relegation and I'd like to stay in the championship, even though if you went down, you'd probably win a few more games. Mm. But 
it's not the it's not the disaster that everybody makes it out to be in when you put it up against those things and what Luton have experienced in the last 12 years it's just not um i wish more people saw it like that but they only see it as a you know the the game they only see it as winning or losing and i've got no problem that that is the game so maybe at the game you can be all about the winning and the losing but when you really take stock of it it's about a football club is more than winning and losing it is community isn't it you go there with your mates you go there in luton's case ten thousand other people every week to you know worship at the altar of football and if you don't have that just think how bad your life would be you know, that's what you live for most of the time, isn't it? So if it goes, then I, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what people do in Berry. They, they must be having such a hard time because of it. Do you, would you want that? And so if you spend ridiculous amounts of money, eventually it will catch up with you. And the fact that people are calling for it when Luton's history is so recent and so raw baffles me. <laughs> But the thing is, even if we spend this money that people mm. are challenging the club to spend, it's still nowhere near what the other clubs are spending. No, no. and it's not. It's going not to still be, not guaranteed no. success, is it? No, not at all. And it's not going to be anywhere near the levels that other clubs are spending on the likes of Rooney and Mitrovic and you know the players at the level because you know Luton are still building. Um, you know, from the non-league days, we're moving on up. We're getting there, but it, it takes time. Unless you suddenly get a benefactor come in that throws millions and millions into a club, then it's a building process. You know, the foundations are there, and they're very solid ones now, which is fantastic. And we're just starting to to build up now, and we've got back into the championship. Um, you know, the the power court and the Newlands Park are the next levels, and and then the sustaining of the championship. Um, for, for that level of football is the next key thing then um, but can we ever see Luton becoming a club um, that is spending millions and millions uh, you could argue no but then you could argue well Bournemouth fans probably thought the same when they got deducted the points with us back in uh, 08 09. so you know it can turn around but Bournemouth were beneficiary yeah. of a, a Russian billionaire yeah. but, then, <laughs> so, so, but that, that does mean you know but it, as far as somebody coming in mm. are we ever going to get that mm. do we ever want that even you know, do you want somebody coming through and their millions at it and then walking away when they're fed up with playing around, you know, as other clubs have suffered um, from? Or do you actually want custodians that have got Luton at the heart and they're putting their money in because they love Luton um, and not just because they're wealthy and have got money to throw around? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the key things that, again, the accounts seem to show that, you know, the investors are backing Luton Town and they're putting money in. Um, you know, we've had new directors come on board, haven't we, in the last year as well. Um, and some big names in there as well. Um, you know, so the future, you know, off the field financially, yes, we're losing money, but we've got the support of people that are Luton Town fans. And I think that is critical. Uh, and also, we spoke about uh, at the beginning of the podcast, it goes back to this um, thing about trying to create the facilities that you can develop your youth uh, section. Everybody knows how storied Luton are in bringing youth players through if you're not able to do that they can't they can't a bring the players through but then they can't have this model that is different to everybody else you're not going to go out and buy a Mitrovic mm. but maybe you can produce another James Justin yeah you know and if if um if you don't have those facilities then you're not going to be able to do that so it's really important that people understand why I'm not just moaning about an Audi supermarket going on a site you know everybody's got to eat but 
it's well, it's a bigger picture stuff, really, and so many people don't seem to realise that. The other question mark to it, which we touched upon on the last podcast, is the way that 2020 have backed their manager as well. That's you know, he's still not popular with too many Luton fans. I think it's fair to say. Certainly, us two around this table. I won't get your view, Simon, because you obviously interview him an awful lot, but. Um, we see the job he's doing. We, we're confident that the long-term picture is a bright one. So they're right to back their manager mm. in terms of he's working to his job spec. Well, that is kind of the essence of it. They have got a bigger picture, long-term view. And so many people, uh, not just Luton, football fans, they're short-term people. They, they want quick results and they want things to happen like this. And that's not always the best way. And so you've got this kind of disconnect with, well, the results aren't going the right way or he's not he's not playing the player I want or whatever. You cannot get away from the fact that Luton lost two of their best players and they haven't been able to replace them. Well, I mean, three, you touched on it earlier, Alan McCormack. Yeah. Massive impact in, yeah. in both title-winning seasons. You just can't... Promotion-winning seasons. I keep calling them title-winning seasons. It was so key to the way they played and he tried to carry on that uh, diamond formation. But you wrote an article from my website about how he has actually adapted Luton and, and you need that. He keep, he, he's From day one, Graham Jones has talked about adaptation and it's so unsexy but it's true and you saw that you could see that from the last game Stoke where they tried this um, they tried playing through it didn't happen brought on some substitutes went wide and they got a result Luton didn't have to adapt last season the whole season they played exactly as the way that they wanted to play because they had the best team and the best players and um, that's what you're you're seeing that in this division your Leeds and your West Brom they'll play how they want to play because they've got the best players but Loon have to adapt to different situations yeah, you, I mean you've kind of seen it with the former manager Nathan Jones as well haven't you he, he wouldn't have had to have changed very much in that promotion winning season or indeed times last season but obviously with Stoke he would have done and therefore famously Nathan Jones got us in when he first joined the club yeah. to watch a training session and he gave us this PowerPoint presentation about uh, these are the two formations we're going to play it was the that was the diamond and a what was it oven four three three something like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It, it, it rarely moved from the diamond. He he literally just said, "We're going to play these two formations. That's yeah. it," and that's all he had to do. Yeah. But you've got to find if you're up against international class players, ex Premier League players, all getting high amounts of money. You've got to find different way. You've got to find a different model of doing it. And so uh, it's kind of frustrating where people just. Uh, have a go at him for these things, particularly when they don't seem to be paying attention to their own board, who apparently they love so much. <laughs> when they've written things like, "These, this is what we have to do as a club to be different. We have to look at everything in a completely different way. So, you know, but that there you go. It comes back to that long-term versus short-term thing. Indeed. Um, James mentioned international footballers there. Let's bring it back onto the pitch and let's have first of our player focuses of this month on our own international footballer, one of two of them, Simon Sluger. Now, at the start of the season, things were ropey. There's, there's no getting away from it. He looked a mistake waiting to happen. But now, 
he doesn't look anything like that. He looks like an international quality goalkeeper who we all thought we signed back in June and July, who's been managed brilliantly through a dodgy period. Yeah. And now we're really reaping the benefits of that. Yeah, certainly. I mean, as we discussed earlier, those performances the last few weeks, some of the saves he's made at critical times. You know, I've said in commentary a couple of times how quickly he comes off his line. He's aware, you know, he's making those one-on-one blocks. He's brave. He's gone in a couple of times, taken a couple of hefty whacks. Um, yeah, and as I say, touch wood, the errors haven't been there that we did see in the early part of the season. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion and hindsight's a wonderful thing, but your, your million pound player, your, your biggest ever signing coming in from a foreign country, do you start him on the opening day of the season or do you let him settle in? You give James Shea the chance at the beginning or not? That's history. We can't change that now. The mistakes have been made. He was unfortunately highlighted a, a couple of times in games, um, but he's come back stronger. He's kept working hard, certainly in the um, press conferences that James and I have been in when coaches or other players have talked about him. They've said how much effort he puts in and, you know, he, he will be and is an international goalkeeper. And, you know, he's, he's had a cap for Croatia since he's been with us. He's always in their squads. So it's fantastic. And yeah, you just really wish him well. And he's got the clean sheets, a couple of clean sheets now. Um, and I really think it, is, it has taken those six months just to, to settle in and to get to grips with everything. And now the performances is building um, the, the way that he's playing and his morale, isn't it? Speaking to people inside the club, I understand he's a more confident person in and around the place. And that's showing in his performances on a mm. Saturday now. If you sit behind the goal, I don't actually know what, what the Croatian is for out or up mm. or whatever it is, but he's shouting it on a regular basis <laughs> now at his defence. And you can hear him mm. behind the goal and, and, they're, and they're reacting to it. It's, you know, it, you can see a more confident person. I wrote on your website at the, around the time of the Derby game. The, the biggest of his mm. calamities, perhaps, that it was the fairest thing to do for everyone mm. concerned to, to rest him, to mm. leave him out. And I, and I maintain that that was the case. But the way he's been brought back in, the way the fans have been with mm. him as well. Yeah, which, singing his name yeah, recently. Which, you know, yeah. to be fair, five, ten years ago when we had some real dodgy goalkeepers prior to Mark Tyler, that wouldn't have been the case. They've, they've built his confidence up as well. And now we really are seeing that club record mm. signing. Well, I think anyone that's got a sensible football brain would have seen there was a goalkeeper in there anyway. I mean, we've talked about it many times, but you only have to look at that first howler he made and the fact that seconds before he made a world-class save. So it's about, I think it was confidence. It's got to be confidence because he's taken that time out when he was rested and he went away and um, had a game with Croatia and maybe that helped. But he's come back in so much more it's not only confidence for him, I think it's confidence for everybody else because I now no longer feel any sort of worry when the ball goes into the box. When every time in that early part of the season you're thinking, what's going to happen? Is he going to flap at the ball? Or is he not going to be? But he commands that box now. And, and he's um, doing this in actually the toughest conditions because we've had yeah, storm after yeah. storm after storm that we've been playing in recently. Yeah, yeah. He's looked really good. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. Make sure there's a shower turned on <laughs> over the ground or something. So are you, are you saying that he shouts Croatian to Matty Pearson and Sonny Bradley? No, I'm saying he shouts something that sounds a little Croatian, but it could be absolutely anything. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, no disrespect to them, but I didn't think Croatian would be one of the well, languages we've got those two coming up on, on this edition of the podcast in a short while so I will find out what it is that um, that he says to them but it, they don't half move when he says it so it's something proper all the way he says yeah. it anyway but yeah fantastic but also in, in terms of his confidence I come back to my point about Glenn Ray I think his position as an enforcer in front of defence has given more confidence to Sonny and Matty 
and Cameron Carter-Vickers now that he's come in. And then in turn, that will give more confidence to Sluga because uh, the balls aren't coming into the box as much. And when they do, they're getting dealt with. I give some credit to Dan Potts. I give some credit to um, James Bree when he's been moved over to his right uh, right sided position in full back. They've both done a lot better recently in stopping crosses. I, see, I think it probably came from that Middlesbrough game. They were, it wasn't James Bree at that time, it was Matty Pearson who got moved out and Dan, Dan Potts. They were using all parts of their body, they even were, the delicate areas yeah, to stop crosses. Both of them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting their balls in front of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it it took that sort of um, effort and impetus, I think, really, to show that it can be done. It wasn't just him, of course. It was um, Luwala Wal running 50 yards to make a tackle. James Collins running from the halfway line to, to block something on his own goal line. Uh, and all of that, I think, would give a player like uh, Simon Sluga confidence that he's... Cause really, if you're one-on-one with a goalie, the, the striker should be scoring the goals that big. So you need, he's the last line of defence, of course he is, but you need a defence to be stepping up and not allowing so many uh, shots in uh, in on goal. And the fact that they were conceding three goals most of the time, aren't they? it's not going to be good for your confidence you're picking the ball out that out the net that many times. But uh, yeah. yeah, things have changed really since, I would say since the Nottingham Forest game, although that yeah. was a defeat. Um and uh, he looks, yeah, he looks a completely different goalie. And another guy who looks completely different in the last few weeks, uh, as we touched on earlier, is Ryan Tunnicliffe, who is making more of an impression of both ends of the pitch, really. Mm. Yeah, I think he started the season quite well. Yeah, I um, do. And, and so in the performances. August, September, yeah. he would have been mm. far away from my kind of not player of the season but if you're picking the top three it'd have been in there yeah, he, he was solid and I think he then went through a spell where like Simon had for a while he became this fan scapegoat for a bit and you know people question what he brought to the team but I think I said to somebody the other day with, with Ryan he, he does work hard um, and a, a lot of the time I think it's because he doesn't do anything there's nothing flashy there's nothing that he doesn't excels, earn his fantasy football points yeah it's, there's nothing that sort of stands out but he does what he needs to do well and I think because he's not got the flair or the scoring the goals I mean how many shots has he had blocked on the line bless him this season you know where he, he's been in the right place he's put the shot away he's done everything that he needs to and somebody's thrown a body or got a foot to it um, so that was why it was great that he scored at, at Middlesbrough and you saw the way the um, players all went over to him and they were calling all the teammates over you know everybody was celebrating with Ryan that he'd got that goal but yeah certainly the last few games he's he's stepped up and you know those fans that you see on social media that were criticising him previously are saying actually fair play to the lad he's, he's done well and I thought he's brilliantly um, at Middlesbrough post-match conference there saying you know it, it doesn't affect him what he hears about the fans say that they don't think he's playing well because as far as he's concerned he will always go out to give 110% um, and will work hard and I think a few players have said that about him mm. as well um, training and on the pitch and you know he's, he's, he's showing what his worth is in that team and um, you know it's, it's difficult when players are picked out for being one from a defeat it's a team game um, but you know I totally understand that fans have got their favourite player or a player they don't like and that's the way it is that is football as well isn't it that you know some people do stand out at times when things are going well and some people stand out when things aren't going so well a lot of the time when when that's the case I mean, like he's your favourite player or is the player you don't like mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
uh, and maybe social media has exacerbated this, but it's so difficult to change that person's mm. mind, regardless of how the p- yeah. player plays. Yeah. It's, it's almost seen as an anomaly that they've uh, gone against their expectations of whether that player is going to be good or bad. And I wish people would be a little bit more um, conciliatory or uh, accepting and then, you know, your mind can be changed by a player yeah. either way. Uh, but it, it just seems like maybe it's not even just football. I think it's, it's modern life, life at the minute. People life, yeah. refuse to change yeah. their minds. Yeah. Um, and it is quite frustrating that I, 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 lo- I like the fact that he came out when mm. Middlesbrough scored that goal and he said that it doesn't affect him. Then he also said to the question, do you think that that will get players, uh, fans off your back? He said, probably not. No. But that speaks it's to, the, speaks to yeah. that point that people yeah. don't change their minds. But I know you mentioned it earlier. It was really disappointing to hear fans jeer when he was getting taken off. And actually, and Stoke, I'm not sure where that came from. When Izzy Brown went off, there was a uh, small was minority of fans nonsense. that did the same. And I'm like, what? What do you want? What is going on there? And we found out quite quickly after the game, you could see just when he was playing, he was half fit and the ball wasn't coming to him anyway because they couldn't play through the line. So um, I don't know where, I don't know where and I don't know why this has come into it, but I wish people would stop that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. If they're in an orange, white, blue and pink shirt, just support them. Whether you like them, whether you don't support them, just do not dent their confidence over these last 10 games because we need every ounce of confidence. My favourite quote of the season came about Ryan Tunnicliffe when Graham Jones says he was excellent value for money. Yeah. You signed him on a free transfer. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure how it works, but I'm sure there's some logic to it somewhere along the lines. Uh, We found out what we think of um, Simon Sluger and Ryan Tunnicliffe. I went down to the training ground to catch up with two of their teammates, Sonny Bradley and Matty Pearson. And among the things I asked them uh, was exactly that, how they how they see the, the duo. Um, here they are. Okay, I'm down at the training ground and I've got alongside me the town central defensive pair, Matty Pearson and Sonny Bradley. Chaps, thanks for joining me straight after training. Really appreciate your time. No problem. Yeah, no worries. I'll start with you, Sonny. Uh, she's left us in January. Um, you're now club captain. What kind of an honour is that? How much does that mean to you? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm happy to step into that role. I think obviously last season when, when Alan was injured and, and Glenn got injured, you know, uh, Nathan gave me the armband and I was the captain for the majority of last season and, and the start of this season. I've, I've got the armband as well and, there's been no actual meeting with the manager or anyone at the club to, to verify that I am the club captain, but like I say, it's a role that I'm, I'm happy to step into. I think, I think there's a number of leaders at this club and the likes of, you know, Matty next to me, uh, James Collins, Glenn Ray, you know, them, them sort of characters. So, you know, with, with She's leaving and, and Alan McCormack at the end of last season, um, someone's going to have to step up in the dressing room and a number of us, a number of us have done that. And, um, from a leadership point of view, I, I don't think we're struggling with that at all this season. No, I mean, whenever I watch you, all of you on the pitch, actually, you all sort of not dig each other out, but you know, if something's got to be said, someone will say it, you know, Colo will say it, or, you know, it's, it's kind of everyone's in it together sort of thing, mate. Yeah, that's, um, that's what we are. We're a team. It's like Sonny's obviously taking the role of, of captaincy, but it leads from the front with Colo and then all the way through to the keepers like Simon and, um, James. So. Yeah, everyone's got to play a part, and like I said, Sonny's um, definitely one of the one of the lads uh, we, we all look up to as a captain. Him and Collo and Glenn, um, between three of them, I think uh, they've definitely got that uh, that captain's armband like between the three of them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's the club's first season in the championship, sort of 13 years. Your, your first sort of official stint in the championship yourselves. How have you found it? How have you found the step up? How have you assessed the season so far? Um, the step up, I think, obviously, physically um, and mentally on the pitch, everything is a lot sharper. Um, you know, in this division, you know, everyone seems to be better athletes um, and then the quicker in the mind as well. Um, so I think I think when you go back into League One and League Two, I think you can make mistakes in certain areas of the pitch and a lot of the times you get away with it. Whereas um, in in the Championship, as we've proven already, if, if we are making mistakes, um, we will get caught out, um, and that, that's the biggest difference. The biggest difference for me. Um, but as a club, look, we're well aware that um, it hasn't quite gone the way we wanted it to so far this season, um, and we find ourselves at the bottom of the league at the minute for a reason. Um, but I still believe there's enough in this dressing room to get us to get us out of the kind of mess that we're in we're in right now. I think um, you know the last I think the last six or seven games, especially the performances, have been really positive. Um, you only have to go back a couple of weeks ago and look at the Brentford game. You know the character that that was showed in that against a against a Brentford team that have, have beat us seven earlier on in the season. And you know I think it's games like that that prove that that we prove that we're still in it and uh, and we still think we can do it. Um, again a different kind of game Stoke on, on Saturday um, I, I watched it from the stands and unfortunately been injured and it was a, there was a different feeling from the start of the season you know, to the, to the Stoke game because although we didn't perform well uh, in the game we got something out of it whereas you go back you rewind maybe three or four months in them sort of games we couldn't seem to find you know find enough in the team to, to get a result Um so from a progression point of view, I think throughout the season, you know, look, we've had patches where we haven't picked up results and five or six games where we haven't. And it's like last season, I think, when, when you start winning games, it's almost like a snowball effect and all of a sudden you haven't lost in 28 games. And I think when you're losing as well, it's it's quite similar. You know, all of a sudden you're looking at fixtures and trying to, all you think is when when's the next result going to come and Look, it's been difficult, but like I say, over the last last couple of months, I think there's been some real progression. I think um, some some really good characters have come into the dressing room in January that have that, that are helping us, um, and we've just got to keep working hard, like we have done today. Uh, big game on Saturday, obviously against Wigan. Um, we've we've prepared well for that, and we just need to go into that game positive. Remember, remember what we've done the last six weeks, and and go away and put the effort in like we did against against Middlesbrough away from home and go there, try and get a clean sheet and, and try and win the game. Matty, the one thing we have done this season, regardless of you know how we've played and everything else, our record against the sides in and around us at the bottom of the table, if you like the kind of the important league, it's really, really good actually. We've beaten Wigan at home, you know, beat Charlton at home, various other results. We're unbeaten against Middlesbrough, for example. Those kind of results have, have given us a real chance of staying up this season. Yeah, they're going to be key. Um, to be honest, every game is going to be key, and especially like you said, them them teams around us. It would be nice to get the results against them teams around us than, like you said, Brentford or or what have you. But look, we're going into every game prepared to win the game at all costs. We're not going in to try and get a draw or to try and do whatever. We're going to win to win the game and and to stay in this league, and that's. That's our aim. That's all of our aims. So, like you said, probably they are more important to beat the teams around you, but we take it one game at a time. 
And regardless of the opposition, we're going to win the game. It, it, we can't put more effort. It, we put as maximum 100% in every game. It's not, we don't go for it in this game and, and go for it in that game. It's we, we, You can't just rest up in, in this league. You've got to go 100% every game. And actually what we found, Sonny, with these last few games that we've been in a really good run we've brought an awful lot of other teams back towards us haven't we there's a couple of teams you've got the league table in front of you there's a couple of teams Hull and Middlesbrough in particular that are in free fall um, but you know whereas a few weeks ago it looked like three from four it's now three from eight or nine it is yeah um, and that's what that's what does happen when you've got a, a league table that's so tight you know I was having a little look last night and if you go back to if you go back to last season in the championship if you'd achieved 41 points last season, you'd have stayed in the division. Um, and that's that's two wins and a draw from 10. You know, whereas this season, like you say, because there is so many teams, you know, not in similar form, but have had similar style seasons. Like you say, there's, you know, I'm looking at it now, the bottom three, I think all the way up to possibly Huddersfield, who are in 17th. You know, that's, that's seven teams that I think that possibly in the mix, you know, to, to probably go down this season and, you know, like you're saying, you know, with us, you know, obviously being better against the teams in the bottom half, we're hoping that that works, that works in our favour. You know, we've still got, you know, I'm just looking at the league table now, we've still got Barnsley, you know, Wigan, Hull, you know, Huddersfield, QPR, yeah, Reading, you know, and a lot of them, te- a lot of them games are at home as well. So, um, and, and I look at them and, you know, I get, a, I get a positive feeling, you know, when I'm saying this. So that's the reason I look at it. But I think I think it is key, like Matty says, and a lot a lot of people say it, but it is true. You can only focus on the next game in front of you. You know, it's all good me sitting here saying, you know, we've still got to play everyone around with you. It's not really important. I look at it because it gives me a little a little boost. It gives me a you know a positive feeling that it can still happen. But you know, ultimately, it's a bit boring. But it's true, and you've got to stick to it. We've got to focus on Wigan. We've got, we've had a very good training session today. It's Thursday. Um, we've got a, another day to prepare tomorrow then we make the trip to Wigan and um, as we know we're in good form Wigan at the minute um, they've found a way of winning games and you know with them sitting in 19th now they've probably got a feeling that you know they can go on and, and stay in this division now and have a good end to the season but um, I think that's what makes it more important Saturday because if we can go there and you know upset the odds a little bit because I think Wigan will be expecting to win the game I think if we can go there put in a really strong performance and win the game I think all of a sudden it it pushes us closer to safety and it brings Wigan back into the mix. Just kind of on that, that would be a different mentality for them, wouldn't it? I mean, as opposed to when they go to West Brom last Saturday where they're not expected to win, they can play with a bit of freedom. Much like, I guess, in a way you guys did against Brentford, whereas you had the opposite against Stoke where we were the team meant to win the game, if you like. And They're two completely different dynamics, those, aren't they? Yeah. Um, like you said, Wigan went went to West Brom the one I think Barnes um, yeah they went to Leeds and won and then Barnsley went to Fulham and won and then we we beat Brentford so you you sit you look at it and you then bottom bottom teams that us Wigan Barnsley bit a bit of form recently and I just can't believe after six games winning four or whatever it was it was still bottom of the league but that's football for you'd never You'd have never have put that as it as it is winning four game. If you'd have said six games ago, if we win four and and whatever, out of six games we'll be off the bottom. We're not, and and that's that's the the nature of football. I think uh, football's a funny game. I think 
you if you rest on whatever you've got and you think you're safe or if you think you're comfortable then that's when it comes to bite you and I think uh, football you just got to keep going keep your head down keep working hard and keep just yeah just keep going that's all I can say and that's exactly what the mindset is in in the in the camp with us at the minute I think we know we've we've improved a lot over the last what six six to eight games and we've picked up points which is important and if we carry on doing what we're doing it if we keep that consistency I think we've got every chance of, of doing what we want to do but the main thing, main thing is consistency and, and not getting too carried away with ourselves and hopefully we can catch catch that pack and hopefully they do get carried away with themselves and think they're safe and hopefully we can keep the consistency and form that we've hit recently and keep picking up them points. And I guess when there is a bunch like that, they're all going to be playing each other at some point. So when we pick up a result, we're going to gain on someone, whoever that may be. Yeah, that happens, doesn't it? I think when you look at the teams around us, I started looking at a few fixtures and I know some people say, don't do it, you know. But I do, I, I do have a look now and again and it seems as though everyone is playing everyone in, in, and they are going to... I'm probably opposite to Sonny. I don't really, yeah, yeah. I don't really look. I just concentrate on what, yeah. what you got to do. But... As a fan, I've got them all studied and everything. Is... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just have a look and um, it's impo- It's not important. Um, but I do it for myself. Like I said, it just gives me a little boost now and again knowing that everyone's got to play each other and might give me an extra 1%. I don't know. It might not, but if it does, it does. But no, like you say, I think everyone, everyone's still got to play each other. Um, I still think there's time for a few teams in there to, to hit some bad form, which let's, let's hope they do. Um, you know, this is brutal. Um, yeah. you can only focus on yourself, but at the same time, if, if three, well, yeah, if, if three teams above us, Went, went and lost six or seven games on the bounce you know be delighted and we picked up four or five wins you know it made my life make my life a lot easier and, and it made the teams but we can't we can't rely on that we can't hope that can happen um, as a point to tell you what's going to keep us up it's hard to say right now but I think it's going to be at least I think it's going to be at least 45 points at least so um I'm not going to work it out now, but it's at least four wins and three or four draws. Four wins and a draw, that's what that would be, but it might take a little bit more than that. So, um, yes, yeah, we just don't want to lose games. That, that, that's been, obviously, looking at the table now, I think losing... Losing to... We haven't picked up... Yeah, we haven't picked up enough draws. I know that sounds that sounds silly, but we've only drawn four games this season. Barnsley above us have drawn ten. It's the difference of six points, is that right? Six yeah, points. Yeah. The difference of six points, and that would take us to forty-nine points. No, sorry, that would take us to uh, forty points, which would mean we'd be out of the the relegation zone. So, and actually, that's quite apt. Bearing in mind that we did get a point on Saturday against the odds in the way that we performed. Actually, really, you know, and three months ago, well, maybe when we went there, we probably wouldn't have got that point. So that's progress, isn't it? I, I think story of our season's been performing reasonably well I wouldn't say but even if we performed reasonably well we'd lost the game and that, that's been down to not being able to get draws and if we'd have been able to like we played Swansea and we lost 1-0 and it, we should have never lost that game 1-0 I, I can remember fair enough they might have had a bit of possession and what have you but we should have they barely had any chances and to lose a game one no, that just sums up that patch of our 
form really we won mm. we were just losing games by the odd goal and they were never they, the teams that we were losing to had not done enough to win the game no. it was just a case of it's the same like you, you, like you Cardiff away I'm looking how we played Cardiff yeah. away at last minute goal who Cardiff else yeah Cardiff Cardiff home and away obviously the whole game was weird the whole game was weird yeah. although we didn't perform well with large you know Spells of possession, couldn't score up next minute. Couple yeah. of quality players in the champ when you threw another one. So you've not gone that far up, but Leeds at home as well. We were yeah. we were dominant yeah. for times in that. Yeah, Leeds um, lost West Brom. You know these these are top, Preston top away. teams. We played Preston away, and we we had chances in that game. Yeah. We were all basically who took the chances, and we didn't take ours, and they they took theirs, and they, I think they won two one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. Well, when we played Leeds, let's say we played, we played Leeds at home, Fulham at home, West, West Brom at home, yeah, they're the three top teams in this division at the minute. When we played them teams at home, there was barely anything in the game. All right, Leeds. Winning, beating Fulham 3 2, were we? Yeah. And then we ended yeah, up last minute. Time, yeah. Leeds had a lot of possession, you know, Fulham. Um, three, that's, three, all, that's all yeah. done now, though. I know it's all done now, but you're saying uh, there was not much in them games and. We haven't, get, we haven't got enough point from the, points take, from them games. We take, we take things from them games. We don't just yeah. forget about them. We we obviously analyse exactly, go in, into detail with everything. So yeah. we don't just go out there not knowing like what to expect or things that have gone bad for us. We've worked on to try and correct and stuff like that. So it's it's not like we come into train, train and go home. We actually come in. We watch analysis videos and it's not a case of uh, as a fan you see glimpses that we go into detail of certain players and what they do and certain patterns that teams do and it definitely 100% helps helps you as a player because you know what's coming and um, most clubs do it now it's not just we, we're the only ones that do it every club does it and, and goes into detail with it but like I said we we don't just wing it and turn up and we work all like this week we're going to be working all week on Wigan and on what they do and like stuff that we've practiced in training we're going to try and implement in the game and sometimes it, it doesn't go to plan sometimes they change and do counteract it, it is what it is and look we, we just set up to, to have a game plan and, and try and put it put it right and I think recently in the last few games, we've we've done that in in some of the the wins we've had, we've, we've um, especially at Middlesbrough and stuff like that. We've stuck to a game plan and it's played off perfect. Yeah, absolutely, Sonny. I can't um, reflect on the season without mentioning the opening day and um, your goal. Just talk us through that. Well, I haven't done it since, so <laughs> that is, it seems like a long time ago. That Middlesbrough game it seems like a long, long time ago. I am. No, look, it was obviously a good game on Sky, especially with neutrals, I think. Um, you know, 3-3 home game. And do you know what? Um, when you look back at that game now, it was it's kind of it was a sign of kind of things to come come in the next few months that followed because in that game, although there was, you know, a few nice goals and it was a really good game for everyone to watch, there was also mistakes in that game, um, which have contributed to us conceding goals and it has a knock-on effect because from you know if you look at the next maybe 12 or 13 games the amount of the amount of times we've 
we've cost ourselves and, and gave sloppy goals away. It's, it's a little bit frightening. It's frightening to be honest. I mean, we did, but um, but no, the positives from that game, obviously, I've banged on in from 25 yards, and you know, I've watched it a fair few times. But like I say, in training or as you've seen on a on a match day, I've done that again. You know, so I'm hoping I've got one more in the locker. You know, whether it's this season or not, you know, we'll soon find out. Yeah, that last game of the season, if you can repeat it in that, that would be fantastic. Um, you both play in front of Simon Saluga in goal. He had a difficult start to the season, difficult start at the club. But in the last six weeks, Christmas onwards, he's really blossomed into the goalkeeper that everyone thought that we signed. What's it like playing in front of him and how do you reflect on the improvement that he's made in that time? I'd like... He's come in, been a top lad, hasn't he? And yeah, he's a great character. Yeah, you can't, um, can't knock him for that. Come to a different country, got on with everyone, give everything. It's not like he's not trying, do you know what I mean? And he gets the stick, but let's face it, we all get stick when stuff don't go right. And that's just the way, way of the world and the way it is. But look, he's, he's not for the one that to shy away and, and not practice and... Is there every day training? He never shies away from anything. And like I said, we've me and me and Sonny have, have tried. We've done all, all we can to to help him. And and uh, I think recently he's, he's come through. And some of the saves that, um, in the last few games is is why why we signed him. And let's hope it continues. And. I think it will do. He's he's got through that patch now, and he's in a positive mind mindset. And yeah, it, especially when when you get results as well. Like even for me and other players, it's not just the keeper. If we get a we got a one 0 win for the first time the other week, and it it just gives you that confidence and to know that we can grind out a one 0 win, keep a clean sheet. That's that's um, as defenders goalkeeper that's what we want yeah the save he made against Stoke uh, shortly after they scored was brilliant and uh, obviously looking back on it now we know that it contributed heavily to that point another player who um, has taken a bit of stick unjustly in my opinion this season is Ryan Tunnicliffe um, but in the last four or five games since that incident against Cardiff I don't know how aware of it you were on the pitch when he was jeered off when he was substituted He's been really, really good. Obviously scored the winner at Middlesbrough. Um, what kind of character is he like and uh, how's he settled in? Yeah, look, you know, for me, um, Ryan don't get enough, he don't get enough credit. He don't get the credit he deserves, in my opinion. Um, social media, the social media, you know, some of the people on there, um, it's a minority, I think it's a minority, but it's embarrassing. It's yeah. embarrassing. I go on there and I see some of the stuff they say, not just about Ryan, but um, about other players as well, I get it. I get it. You know, people because I've got an open account, which I don't mind having conversations with people. I'm quite open to it, but now and again, you get the odd, you know, the odd person, the odd character, the odd, the odd fan. You know, uh, I say that very loosely, but who will come and want to give you a bit of stick and give you a bit of get a bit of abuse. And I've seen it this season. I've seen it about. I've seen it about Ryan. You know, people people are quick to quick to judge him, and I think from a from a fan's point of view, listen, I don't mind being judged. I don't think any of the boys mind being judged. You know, the fans come, they pay the money, they love the club, and they can have they can have their opinion on on they can have their opinion on players. But you know, when they cross that line, and when they cross the line of um, having their opinion and giving abuse, you know, that's when 
that's when we can't accept it. And I think too, a lot of times this season that's happened. But you know, and Ryan, Ryan, you know, I was I was there when you know he gets if he gets jeered off or people go and give him stick on Twitter. Well, why don't you, you should come down to the training ground and, and see the work that he puts in in the week. Come lads, down, yeah. Lads, literally go out there, give hundred percent. A lad giving hundred percent to get jeered off at. Yeah, I just think it's poor. Like you, players, we've I've played football at academy level since I was nine years old. I've worked all my life to do this to get to this point to get to give hundred percent on a on a weekend and then f- to get jeered off or whatever. How like downhearted is that? Do you know what I mean? It must. I yeah, don't know. I, I don't. To be to be fair to Tony, it, it don't really affect me. I'm pretty passive with yeah. it. I, I, if someone said to my face, like I know deep down myself, I'm doing everything I can and everything possible for the club, for Luton Town. Like it, if people have their opinions, they can have their opinions. It, it, but some people it may affect them, and I don't think people sometimes realise that when they might make that comment or I don't know. But. It, yeah, lads, lads are here giving everything. Yeah, giving everything they've got for, yeah, for that it. to happen. People are, lads are, aren't they? Like, we, yeah. if anybody in this dressing room is not giving hundred yeah. percent, believe me, they'll know about it because we have good characters in this dressing room, and we don't allow bad characters in because if, if they are, they'll have a they'll have a negative effect on the squad. So if we in training or on a match day. Um, if we ever thought that somebody wasn't trying, there'd be a serious, yeah, there'd be a serious, get highlighted, there'd be a serious problem. Yeah, we'd, we'd all speak about it, settle it. If if someone literally like don't don't want to be here, or we'll, we'll say to you know, we'll, we'll say it out amongst ourselves. We don't need to highlight, you know. We are as a bunch. We are pretty tough, tough on each other, and we don't let. Hopefully our standards slip and, and that's what we are. We, we don't stand for anything. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And actually, the majority of us, we see that on the pitch. We see the commitment that, you know, we don't need to see it at the training ground. We see it on a Saturday afternoon. It's, yeah. it's an absolute, it's a minority. And, you know, the I think 99% of our fans are top class. Yeah. I haven't seen much better, honestly. Like home and away, been absolutely fantastic. We need, we need you for the rest of the season, 10 games. Without them, I don't think. Especially I don't think we do it. Like you said, we've had some like heavy defeat, and the, there were true fans when when you're staying there after that. When we were away at Brentford and we lost seven 0 and they still stayed there and and, and helped us off. Look, we we were hurting more than anyone, and our fans hurt. Must have been hurting as well. So, like you said, true proper fans like. Can't, can't ask for much more but like Sonny said it is man, minority but everyone's got an opinion just maybe just don't voice it on a on a social platform or whatever but, yeah. but we even us lads we all have an opinion on Premier League or Champions League or whatever but just speak about it don't, you don't need to yeah, don't post it on social media or you don't need to just keep it to yourself <laughs> if I've got something to, if I've got like, even if a feeling it might affect it might yeah. affect the player do you know what I mean but if I've got a feeling about somebody and it's negative and it's and I've got fe- and if it's to a point where it could affect someone affect someone's feelings I just keep it to myself yeah. and that might sound simple but some people don't have that in their mind some people just yeah, some people say whatever they want or go on to Twitter you see it you see it with, with racism every, every week now and I know that's you know, goalpost moving a bit there but racism homophobic comments and 
you know, some people, they're just thick, to be honest, they're just thick. They go to football matches and some people just, just feel like they have the right to, just because they pay for the ticket, they have the right to say whatever they want then. And that's not the case. But, but well, we saw this last night in the Tottenham game, didn't we? With Eric Dyer actually going into the crowd and confronting someone. Which yeah, I, is... I saw bits of that. I don't want to. I don't actually know what went on. I, to, I, I, I don't know. I seen him. I seen him going to the crowd, and obviously, someone's something to do with his brother, maybe. Someone's someone's aggravated him, and he's felt the need to to go up there. But I don't know. I don't know yeah. what's been said. Or so I can't really comment on that too much. But you know, it just shows that it's there kind of thing. But. Um, We've got 10 games left. Wish you all the very, very best in those 10 games. We know you'll be giving absolutely everything that you've got to keep the club in the division. Really hope you're successful. Best of luck in those 10 games and thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Really really enjoyed chatting. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Good to hear from the chaps. You've heard a lot about, a lot from Sonny Bradley because he was sat next to you in the commentary on Saturday. He was indeed, yeah. Fantastic to have uh, Sonny alongside me um, for the, the Stoke game. Real good insight. You know, great to have a player, a current player, um, great to have ex-players as well um, joining me in the press box. It really is good. But he, he, he went down really well, came over with some great things. And I think his comments after James Collins scored, he celebrated the goal with me. And then he said, get the ball, get the ball. We can win this we can win this you know and he was really in on it and yeah he was disappointed like the rest of us that they were in that position to needing a, a late equaliser but you could tell the passion the desire there that hang on there was still injury time to play um, you know get that ball get kicking off and let, let's take this game to them now but yeah great to have him on board but you know with, with any current player you always wish them well with recovery from injury as Sonny's back in training now and um, you know be back out on the pitch but uh, you know take advantage of when they're not able to play to, to get them in and as club captain now um, you know great to have that viewpoint and I know certainly the fans listening uh, sent a lot of messages that how much they'd enjoyed him on board they must know when players are ridden alongside you because there always seems to be late drama I yeah. when you had Harry Cornick oh, next to you in, Port- in the Portsmouth game last yeah. season uh, it's just, it must be just a coincidence yeah. but uh, let's move the focus on to refereeing We've spoken about the um, shambles of the officials in the Charlton game, but in the aftermath of that game, I don't know who it was who asked Graham Jones, but someone asked him about VAR in the championship and he was an advocate of it. Mm-hmm. Is he right to be an advocate of it? The thing about VAR is not its effectiveness, it's it's the way it's used. Because if you're getting the right decision... Um, then we should say at this point we've had a game with VAR yeah. so my, it kind of worked quite well down there I, I mean I don't really pay much attention to Premier League football so my only experience is that Bournemouth game where you've got two decisions that went your way and it didn't really seem that long but not so much of decisions that went your way the mm. right decision, the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem VAR is getting a bit of a bad press not because it's because of the way that the rules have been written for mm. VAR not necessarily VAR itself, it's the rule. So the offside rule, you know, the, the toe being just a, in a, that is the rule. So VAR is only upholding the rule. If you change the rule to say that the player, any part of his body is onside, then he's onside, that is changing the rule that VAR is having to work to. The fact that VAR can only come in on um, if there's a goal scored or if there's a, a key decision, the, the whole thing about um, if it's clear and obvious doesn't apply to offside. So that's why those lines are brought in to show that a toenail or a hair clipping or whatever is is offside. Um, And I think that's where it's not been explained properly or generally fans haven't really got the understanding of exactly what is wrong here. 
it, it's taken it's one season they brought it in it works elsewhere um, you know I think the thing is it works better elsewhere yeah. because they've done it better and that's that's, that's yeah. kind of the thing I don't think the PGMOL have no. really helped themselves and they're not using the monitors I mean they, the, yeah. the referee should be you know it's as a refere- as a referee on the pitch, you would think, are they taking the easy way out by saying actually somebody else in a TV studio is is making that decision for yeah. the referee elsewhere is making that decision, so I can do the old screen thing, get the say look VAR's given it, therefore it's not my fault. When the referee goes over, looks at it, and the fans are then seeing that he's given it off the back of that, that is added pressure. Mm. Um, the offside rule needs debating as to, but that is the rule. Um, you know that VAR is only upholding the rules of the game the, how it's used when it's used for other decisions you know the handballs in build up to goal that's a daft rule but VAR is adhering to what it has stipulated is now the rule if it touches a hand irrelevant or deliberate or not then it's a no goal whether we agree or disagree with that rule that is the one that is stipulated that VAR is saying no we've got to look at it the time taken on some of the issues is, is too long. The fans at ground celebrating a goal only to sit there for four minutes and find out it's not. Uh, we had the issue the other week, was it um, Burnley, Bournemouth, was it? Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. Bournemouth scored. Uh, sorry, Burnley. Yeah, you're right. Bournemouth scored and it, Burnley went back and Burnley got Burnley then got a penalty because of the, it, you know, and that delay. Now, could it have been done quick enough that VAR have actually said to the referee, it's a definite penalty, stop, stop the game it. now. And that did happen in another game I remember seeing where the referee actually stopped play to bring it back because they looked at it. Again, that's down to somebody watching it on TV replay and it's their opinion. Is it a foul in the box? Is it a penalty? Is it clear and obvious? Do they wait until the, the stop in the play and then say to the referee, you might want to have another look at this. We think there is evidence to suggest otherwise to the decision that you made or didn't make on the pitch I mean the issue I have with it and and I'm an advocate of VAR I see it working in other leagues particularly in MLS but Um, the the refs go to the side the monitors on the side of the pitch but they also have specialised VARs Mm -hmm. in this country we have the same clowns who are the reason that VAR is needed operating VAR now if you don't know what you're doing on the pitch you, if you don't know what a foul is or what, what isn't a foul, what's clear and what is obvious mm-hmm. on the pitch, you're probably not going to know looking at a TV screen mm-hmm. either. And that's why most of these things, they never get changed. And also, they have to train with these people mm-hmm. three, four, five times a week. So are they going to make him look a fool and then have to have it out on a Monday? Probably not. That's the issue. The problem you're going to have bringing it into another league is the number of referees that are then needed on a Saturday afternoon covering Championship, Premier League. You know, you're suddenly going to be saying, hang on, we're fast tracking referees at a lower level that then haven't got the experience. And and then it makes, yes, it's great for the progression because, you know, you can't get experience without doing it. I'm a full advocate of that, that, you know, whatever you do in life, you know, most of the things are saying, well, you, you can't be good until you've got experience. Well, how do you get experience? You've got to be given the chance. Absolutely. But having said that, you know, as we've said, it's, it's down to, it's refereeing. There are levels of experience, but also, there's levels of just looking at something and going, that's definitely a foul inside the box. You know, I don't need a TV replay to see that. That is mm. definitely a foul and give it. I mean, there are things that referees just can't see. They're yeah. going to be blindsided yeah, or whatever yeah. happens. Yeah. But the standard of refereeing in this country mm. is an absolute shambles. And that's as we've seen, that's in the Premier mm. League, as we saw at Charlton. Yeah. 
I mean, the championship officials, we were all but expecting them to be better, but they're no better. Everybody's human, aren't they? It's the same with of players course. on the pitch. An international goalkeeper of the highest level can make a mistake. An international forward can miss an open goal. So we can't... I'm defending a referee here, aren't I? <laughs> we can't expect the referees to be to that level that the players that are earning multi-million pounds a year are also poor. And of course, at our level, when we don't get Premier yeah. League referees, they're amateurs yeah. up against professionals. So you can't expect the linesman mm. to be up with play if he's an amateur yeah. most of them significant age as well aren't they so you're asking a 40 45 year old keep up with harry cornick yeah good luck with that <laughs> but yeah at the same time these professional ones should be in a better position mm. to be closer i don't expect amateurs i, I mean, understand that they're amateurs but these are big decisions that yeah. are being made now we mentioned earlier the offside, just just mm. concentrate on two offsides, the Charlton offside with yeah. James Collins and the Matty Pearson offside against Leeds. Leeds. Yeah. Now that's cost us five points, possibly yeah. six points. We would be above the relegation zone with those. These are costly errors. So is he right to ask for me? Yeah, well, uh, he is, he's also talking about it in the context of how much money is sloshing around the championship. Um, saying it's a big boys league and he's right I think at one stage it may well, still be that it in, if the playoff final is decided mm, yeah. by one of these controversial decisions it's in next season isn't it because yeah. whoever loses will kick up such mm. a storm in a teacup that but then the Carabao Cup on Sunday had an issue didn't it where there's never a corner and Man City score from it indeed but yet VAR isn't allowed to an act you know, mm. that, that's where, again, it's the rule element of it. It's all well and good saying, yeah, we're going to bring in V up, but what are you bringing it in for? Are you bringing it in for a clear and obvious error, irrelevant of what it is? You know, they've given a corner. It's not, we can see that very quickly. Yeah, that's Stop the them. thing. Yeah. You knew that before but, the corner was taken. But it's then somebody on TV going, oh, hang on a minute. Do I need to look at it again? Do I, how many times do they look at it? How long do they get? Do they get 20 seconds or do they get before the corner's taken? You, are you then going to be breaking up the entire game? Because every time there's a debatable corner, are there somebody sitting there having to rewind the tape and watch it back again? I mean, I but guess then, what you're then, saying then with the clear and obvious yeah. thing, if it's clear and obvious, you watch it once. Yeah. Which that one was, as it I turned mean, out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But if you look at sports where it's used well, though, if you take cricket, they're allowed a certain amount of appeals to do it. And then if you've used them, tough luck, that works quite well. Um, and rugby. Similar with tennis and Hawkeye. And yeah. The other benefit again now with the championship is, of course, we've got four cameras that are there for eye follow. Yeah. So even if you didn't have somebody in a studio, if like you said, there's an appeal process or the referee or the assistant aren't sure, he says, right, it goes over to a monitor side of the pitch and the eye follow producers send him. You know, yeah. from the, the company that they, and they do they just send the, the footage. You know, if there's a debate over an offside, is there a clear camera that you know has got that covered? Is there a debate over a handball or a red card? You know, if you had an appeal and you said, "Come on, ref, we think he was onside," or if they can show that yes, quite clearly he was mm. overruled, to yeah. quick, and that's fairly quick. It's, it's that. It's that. That's the the other strand of it for me is the enactment of uh, the rules. It's um, you know. If you look at rugby and you look at cricket, mm. they have for years been using this technology, but they've got it on the screen so that mm. people in the stadium can yeah. know what's going on. 
in the richest but, league in the world, if you're taking the Premier League, why is that not possible? They've well, all got screens. But in the no, same two way, of them haven't can, got screens. Yeah. Old can, Trafford, believe it or not, hasn't really? got screens. Well, then they'd have to get one. Yeah, they? absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but why, why is that not... Uh, that is one of the major bugbears, isn't it? Because yeah. people don't know what's going on. That was on. the thing down at Bournemouth, wasn't it? It just had this purple screen with VAR yeah. checks scrawled all over it, which you could only just see from the away end anyway, because it was down yeah. by the left-hand side. But you, you're absolutely right. W- more so, why can't the players on the pitch have the big screen to look at? Because invariably, when the VAR makes this decision, one of the teams are all around the referee. That wouldn't happen the referee, if, the, yeah. if they're all seeing it. But again, does that also add, because there was always the thing about before we had VAR, clubs that had got large screens weren't allowed to replay controversial moments, were they? Mm. So, you know, because it got the crowd reacting and that... <laughs> But, Probably a good job in that Wembley playoff final, well, to be fair, wouldn't it? Yeah, this is it. And this is part of the problem, isn't it? That, you know, you, you talked about why is cricket and why is rugby got it. I can go to a cricket ground and I can spend all day watching cricket and I can have a couple of beers and or more if I want to at a cricket ground. I can go to a rugby game and I can do the same. I can't do that at a football match. So football, cricket and rugby are three different sports, albeit you might be the same person going to them. And that I think that's the key to the element to it all is because the stereotypical side of these sports this day and age now there is an element that you don't want the controversy at a football ground by showing something on the big screen and also things with cricket and rugby potentially are less controversial because the know. evidence shows with cricket that a bat's hit it if they're not sure if it's caught it, the ball tracker shows that it's going the, the technology's the better technolo- yeah and it, it rules it out with football the cameras the way they are for an offside you have to get somebody out with their paint 3D or whatever it is and draw funny <laughs> coloured lines you know until and then you get somebody else do it from a different angle and they've got different coloured lines in different places and you're going well which is accurate I think you know with cricket particularly it, it, there's more technology that is more accurate because of how cricket is as a sport mm. um, and with rugby you haven't got quite the level of controversy with things that could happen in a build up to a try or in a build you know I don't know I think Mark Quater scored a perfectly legitimate try for England in the World Cup final that they lost previously not the yeah. one this year and that got that got reviewed but for about half for an hour and, still and then again out. somebody still looks at video and says and they've made a different decision to somebody else looking at it so actually that's not VAR not fault is it that's mm. down to a pair of eyes and somebody's view and it's an opinion right or wrong it's mm. somebody's opinion no yes I think that's the outcome no I don't think that's the outcome you know that's not VAR fault I think is it for a if man you can't at... remember what happened yesterday do you remember something in 2007 <laughs> yes, it's quite staggering I was furious <laughs> um but um, I've lost my train of thought then maybe I'm still furious yeah. <laughs> like a perfect perfect case in question you can't remember what happened there yeah. just now <laughs> just to wrap this up then yes VAR would be desirable in the championship but probably not practical yeah, I think an element of it, um, an element of the referee or an a fourth official or somebody having access to review key decision. Again, it all comes down to what are you using it for and how is it then used? Mm. And that's where I think some of it has gone wrong with the introduction of the Premier League and uh, uh, Premier League grounds in cup competitions. Maybe it's all about the drama because yeah. everybody was thinking, oh no, if you bring this in, they'll get all the decisions right and where's the talking yeah. points? And they went, well, we'll show you, mate. It's never going to be perfect, but at least it's it's made some right, it's made enough yeah. right decisions at times, 
albeit fans don't like the fact, as we said earlier, the slightest offside. That is offside by the letter of the law. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think there needs to be some yeah. daylight between yeah. players. It used to be a rule, didn't it? The offside it? rule to me needs switching. Yeah. Any part of your body's onside, you're onside. Yeah. But if you look at it and you can't see if he's onside yeah. or offside, don't bother getting the kids to draw out some lines yeah. and stuff. It's yeah. you, if you can look at it, yeah. that's offside. Then that's fine. If you can't, but also cool. if come the end of the season you're going to pick out um, odd uh, moments and just say, uh, it, you know, these these poor decisions cost us, then you have to say that Harry Cornick missing a hatful of one on ones cost you as well. So yeah. you have to go over the season, yeah. look at these different moments. Yeah. And there's, we've had a let's be fair, we've had a couple of goals that you could see go against us if on another day a referee gives a different decision so you know there's been a few and I think yeah you always feel hard, more hard done by than the ones mm. that you feel should have gone your way than you do feel actually yeah, we got away with one there on something else having yeah. said that I'm I'm not and never have been in the camp of all oh, these things even themselves no, no, out no. I think that's utter nonsense yeah. they may well in number well, the, but the not VAR's in proved that by yeah. the number of goals that you know teams are suffering that their goals have been disallowed or vice versa they've got positive ones isn't there mm. you know it's it's the way it goes that mm. let's move it forward then gents february was absolutely packed with matches march is a longer month and it's not so packed with matches there's only four of them they start on saturday with the biggest of the lot away to wigan must win i know we're going to find out on thursday it's not must win we'll get the party line and but must win or must not lose. I mean, I think we're going to pull in away to such an extent. I think it's probably a must not lose, but you need to get some points out of that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, the way I see it, it yeah. in order to stay up, yeah. points on the road are going to have to be yeah. accrued. This looks on paper the easiest one of them. I get that they're in fantastic form, but only them, Huddersfield, and a plummet in Hull are mm. likely chances to get. But then oh, we've seen some random results this, this season. You know, Barnsley stuffing Fulham away. Um, who was it? One up at Forest the other week. Wigan winning at West Brom. Uh, Charlton, wasn't it? One at Forest. Yeah. Wigan winning at West Brom. And Leeds, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so these results, strange as they may seem, are going to happen. I think somewhere in those remaining 10, we're going to get a result that you perhaps go into a game not thinking. Yeah, um, Brentford at home. Yeah, so yeah. something like that. And I think... Leeds, that'd be amazing, yeah. wouldn't it? It's just <laughs> what comes out and what happens on the day. You know, anything can happen in this league this season. One way or another, we've seen a seven-nil defeat. We've seen a victory against the same team, you know, and deservedly so. Fulham, we should have beaten them at home. Last minute equaliser mm. away. We really battled, and it was only three-two. So, you know, big teams, lots of money doesn't necessarily mean that Luton Town can't get a result. And we've seen the performances. You know, we could defend and hold a team for ninety minutes and then score a injury time winner off somebody's backside that gives us three points. We take it. Oh, we would, yeah. Something, something is going to happen in the remaining ten games, and we will get a big result. Is just it? on the dynamic, sorry, just on the dynamic of Saturday, though, it's interesting because all these Wigan results are coming in games that you wouldn't expect them to yeah. win. They're the bookmakers' favourites on Saturday, yeah. as we've seen in the last two games. It's complacency can set it, can't it? Different thing, isn't good it? run's got to come to an end. It's got to come to an end. You know, don't go on and as um, Liverpool found out, not that we want to mention who beat yeah. him, but you know, what, <laughs> Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and two other teams since then. But you know, these things happen. So as they can, the knock-on effect can be. Wigan could go on a great run and then suddenly lose a few in a row. Um, the reverse could happen to Hull or Middlesbrough that they've been on really poor runs and suddenly they get a result together. Then they get the one following. Um, so 
we can't rule anything out. All we've got to do is be in there, keep in the mix. And as I said earlier, you know, if we're six points behind with three games to go, we've still got a chance. But I think we're going to be in a better position than that. Mm. I think, One thing I'm sorry, go on. I think the, the performances, and it's another thing that uh, Jones goes on about a lot as well, the performance has been good enough to get points. And that's the main thing. And that's what gives you hope. Whereas you could, I probably couldn't have said that this time when we did the last podcast. It just, something's going to happen. Yeah, there was no, there was seemingly no hope then, was no. there? But there, there really is now much to, as, as again, that's on your website against the, um, Lost the dressing room um, nonsense. Yeah, well, you only have to see the reaction after they've won some of those games uh, of late to show that that's that's complete nonsense. If we do win on Saturday, though, can we do it a little bit easier and earlier than we did in the home game? (laughs) Because I don't think my ticker's taking that again. Hey, I don't mind when it happens as long as we get three points at the final whistle. (laughs) Very true, (laughs) very true. And I'm I'm sure Callum McManaman will celebrate quite readily like he did uh, in the home game. There's only one home game in March, Preston at home. I thought we were more competitive up there actually than in a lot of away games and we're unlucky to lose 2-1 that afternoon they're not as good away from home as they are at home if you look at home and away tables maybe that's the game that yeah I mean you've got to be looking at home points haven't you so you know whichever league you're in when you're battling like we are at the moment but we've played against better teams than Preston and beaten them we've played against worse teams than Preston and lost at home so you know it's We've got to go for it. We've got to be confident, you know, turn the floodlights on at three o'clock, you know, yeah. put a blackout curtain over the roof, you know, let's just get it but, postponed and put onto yeah. a Tuesday but night. In all seriousness, though, you know, we've, we've proved that we can play at this level. We just need to prove it more regularly, get the three points and move on from that. And, you know, it's, it's a good game at home, as you say, one of four, but then the end of the season, we play four out of the final six at home. Yeah, so that's true. that's the momentum we need to be taking into April and May. And on Preston, you never scored at Kenworth Road when you were here, Jaden Stockley. Please don't start that yeah. nonsense now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that Preston game is another one where Harry Cornick missed the one-on-one, didn't he? It yeah. could have been so different. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, you just wanted to, like some of just wanted to be able to stick in there and, and try and grind out some points if they're not coming your way. And, you, you know, like I say, before performances have shown that they can do that. So why not? Why, why not? Those points Preston. may need to come early in the month, though, because yeah. Swansea away and Leeds away. Strange but they're happened. slipping up, though, Leeds, yeah. aren't they? They are, they're, they're, they're struggling and they're having some sort of um, a bit of loss of confidence that they did this time last season. Well, maybe it was a bit later this last season for Leeds, but, you know, why not? They, Luton could go there almost as a free hit because Leeds would be so overwhelming favourites to win at Ellen Road against a team that are struggling in the relegation and and maybe like maybe like Brentford came to Kenworth Road thinking well we won seven nil against them last time mm. we should be able to we should have been able to turn these over this lot over easily and they didn't so you know anything could happen and, and actually Luton didn't play that. T- that badly against no. Leeds. They, I mean, Leeds did have a lot of the ball, but they played really well. It was well, just that we should have been two one up with a May piss. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Their first goal was a foul on Izzy Brown mm. to start that move as well, wasn't it? But well, as long as those two teams do less damage to our goal difference than their ticket prices are doing to my bank account, <laughs> we'll be okay because there's an awful lot of cash coming out for those two games. Points. What we take over those four games, bearing in mind where we are. Six points, 
Happy decent. Got to say, uh, yeah. give me six. I'm signing yeah. up to that. We yeah. won't even bother playing them. No. It's, yeah, they're tough games, aren't they? Three away, one at home. You know, yeah, yeah. I think you've got to be got to be looking at that. Anything that closes the gap on yeah. that, that fourth and bottom over this month, and yeah. like you say, we've set up Holland. Sorry, set yeah. up April and May very, very nicely. Yeah, yeah. We just want to be in it at that stage. I, I didn't think that they would be a month or two ago. I thought this is going to really slip away, and the end of the season is going to be a damp squib. But if they can get through this month, get to that international, yeah. you know, you could get you could get six points yeah. out of those four games and not lose any of them, yeah. and that would be some good momentum. Is, is, yeah, and that's key. Is it how many points do we get, or actually, is it how where do we, we end up? Where, where do we finish after the four games compared to the other teams in and around us? You know, yeah, if, we, if we get three and they get none, yeah, and we yeah. close the gap by three, you take that. Yeah. So I think you know, there's a bit of perspective in those four games that actually where we are at the end of the month is as as important as how many points we've got. We could get twelve points and still be as far adrift because everybody else is unlikely but you get the gist that yeah. you, you need something more than just saying okay we've hit a target of points well actually we're worse off than we were before those four games so look at it where we are at the end of March and you know six games to go then isn't it absolutely it's going to be a big month that is for sure uh, moving into next month just to uh, mark your card the uh, Luton Town Supporters Trust end of season presentation evening takes place on Sunday April 26th at Venue 360, yeah. the man opposite me, Simon Pitts, will be emceeing once again. Does a great job every year, and I'm sure we'll do so again this year. If you want to come along to that, keep an eye on all of our social feeds and our website. Uh, ticket details will be released in the coming weeks. Members will get a priority um, time to book. So if you're not a member and you want to get tickets, it usually sells out quickly, you can join on our website now. That's it for this month. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thanks, Simon, for coming along. Really enjoyed having you along. My pleasure. Thanks for keeping me company, James. Cheers, mate. And we will be back sometime during the international break with a preview to the remainder of the season and hopefully the continuation and finalisation of the Great Escape. <laughs> Until then, cheerio. <laughs>